God, fuck. <laughs> Kill yourselves, <laughs> you filthy animals. Radio has changed our lives and possibly saved our lives. Cut that poor girl in half while she was still alive. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Cannibal Horror Cast. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Stephen Andrade. Hey. Christian Dabari. Yeah. And Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Gummer Aceton. God damn it, Mark. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Favorite actress. <laughs> so much for joining us. Uh, we are here to talk about a horror film. What? Yeah. Yeah, believe are it or not. Are you serious? For once. It's hmm. called Capture, Kill, Release. Uh, came out in 2016. And I'm waiting for the page to load so I could tell you that it is starring Jennifer Frazier, John Gates, and Farang G- Gahar. Gajar? Gajar? <laughs> And it was directed by Nick McAnulty and Brian Allen Stewart. And it's written by Nick McAnulty. And this is a found footage horror film. Um, And uh, let's see. Oh, IMDb says that it's about a couple who plots to murder a random stranger just for the thrill of it. But things turn ugly when one of them decides not to go through with it. I think that reveals too much of the story. Does it? Yeah. Oh. Oh, that he re- <laughs> that he decides not to go through with it. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I kind of assumed that it would go that way as we were watching it. It, yeah. it always seemed like the one dude was just, or I don't know. I wasn't sure who was going to skip out, but I figured it was going to be him. So. And this is the trailer. Someone is sticking a pig. Never stuck a pig before. It's like prom night for murder. You know, it could really be anybody, eh? You could kill someone with your bare hands. So how would you do it? Random, but not too random. You gotta be able to plan around it. Take him down to the basement because it's quiet. We can put some plastic down. You tie him up down there while he's sleeping. You have to wait for him to wake up first, right? This is key. Can we please get the cat back? The kid's not going back. Kitty is gonna go for a little swim. Have you ever even held an axe before? I think it looks like I have, don't you? Wrap the pieces up individually. Take them somewhere quiet and secluded. Bury the pieces, and he never comes back. That was awesome. <laughs> You can't do this with a cat. How are you going to do it with a person? I'd probably throttle him somehow. Take a rope or a belt. You're making this so personal. Torso, arms, legs, head. You've taken this way too far. I'm not doing this. Put it down. We have to do it right. Can we do it right? Can we please do it right? Tell me what you did. What we did? Come on. Just kill him and everything will be fine. Get Get that out of my face! Get 
I was hoping, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's Help 96 trailer. minutes, and uh, it's filmed in color. <laughs> I'm just reading things from my TV. Yeah, it's a talkie picture. So, yes, it is a drama horror thriller. Came out on October 9th, 2016. Now, I didn't know anything about this movie until we got the screener for it. Uh, so I got to go in completely blind, had no idea what I was expecting, and uh, or immediately greeted by our main character, whose name is Jennifer, played by Jennifer Fraser. And at once, uh, these thoughts went through my brain. Within her first scene, I went, oh, man, she is, is a really pretty lady. <laughs> yeah. right, I, loosened, uh, I loosened my tie a little bit. I, uh, I gulped. I went, gulp. And, uh, and then immediately following that, I went, oh, shit, she's really annoying. <laughs> uh, Goddamn, she annoying in this movie. But I'm assuming that's her character. I'm not going to blame it on the actress. I'm assuming she's supposed to be playing just a, someone who's so attractive and, and lovely that you're like, yeah, all right, I'll help you murder some people, my girlfriend. <laughs> and you can also, I'll, annoy, uh, I'll put up with you being annoying. So those are my first thoughts going into the, in, into the movie. What, what was your first thought, Steven Andrade? I actually, uh, like you, I didn't know anything about this movie. I, I uh, started watching it, and in the beginning I was kind of thrown off because it was, you know, kind of quirky and kind of jokey. And then as it goes in, I think about maybe halfway through, there's like uh, there's a bit of a turn when it just it gets kind of a little bit darker. And uh, I, I ended up really enjoying this movie. I thought it was really good. I thought the characters, despite being in very kind of unbelievable situations, they came across very believably. And uh, the ending, I thought, was was really good. And uh, basically, I thought for what it was, it was a pretty solid little picture. Christian Dabari. I hated it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, oh, I wasn't I, surprised. I'm like, that's classic yeah, no, Christian. No, 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 no. I thought I was going to hate it. Like, I was like, oh, God damn it, found footage. Come on. Like, that was the first thing I don't know it started. I was like, I, don't, I didn't know anything about this movie at all. Like, I hadn't heard of it. I had no idea what, what I was getting in, into. Much like you, JD, I was pretty uh, taken by the lead actress. She's... Uh, quite the stunner i would say i thought wow she's so pretty and like she, she had this smile that was very right away you're like holy shit you know but then yes like you mentioned she gets a little irritating but i think that's on purpose i want to say that's in the script and direction because she gets so obsessive and impulsive and just kind of like everything she thinks she's doing is the right thing no matter what it gets more and more intense as it goes. So it's not really necessarily a slow burn, but it's not super fast paced either. So it's somewhere, I guess, in the middle. By the end of it, I, and especially the very end of it, I was like, wow, that's, that, that's a fucking ending. Holy shit. So, yeah, I actually liked it. Can you believe that? I fucking liked it. <laughs> found footage movie i liked oh my god uh okay mark underscore l underscore miller give us your take brother yeah um like you guys when it, when it first opened up i didn't really know a lot about it i and i i was kind of sitting on this uh link for for quite a for a little while when it first came on it like two words came to mind gummer acetone god damn it mark <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so for the listener who's still here trying to make it through this episode, the, what he's referencing is the lead actress in the, the movie reviewed last episode, The Girl with All the Gifts, <laughs> whose name so is Gemma... Atherton. Atherton. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Sorry, but but she's she's a sexy lady. Um, she there's Ooh, Gemma uh, there's or that scene. No, that well Gemma too. But Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, yes. I mean, there's that scene where they're they're planning out the tub scene, and she just like kind of turns and gets that that kind of raunchy look in her eye, and it's like then they end up having sex, and he and he films it. Man, that was just like wow. That was some- that was a great scene, yeah. But it, yeah. yeah, I think that scene actually was really important because when it got to you know the point where uh, Farang decides he you know from the beginning he's obviously the one who's not as much into it. You know, he's yeah. the one who's who's kind of debating who they should kill. There's that really funny scene when they're in the car and he's like giving the list of like, oh, we can't kill <laughs> these people because then it'll be yeah. a hate crime. Like, yeah. No black people and like, yeah. I, can't, I don't want to kill people. a woman because that's misogynist. Because then <laughs> yeah. they're going to think we raped her and we don't want that. And we that's don't want gross. Think- like, I don't want people to think we raped her. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that I- scene's really funny, but it also shows like he's not really into it. But like that scene when they're doing the tub and they end up having sex there and filming it, like, yeah. As the movie went on, I went back thinking about that and thinking like, oh, maybe this explains why he would be doing this in the first yeah. place, why he well, would no, be entertaining. Yeah. For him, it was a kink thing where they were just like having fun and like planning this thing. And it was like this weird like role play. Yeah, he her, knew this, yeah, he knew this kind of turned her on a little bit. So it was kind of like their, their like kind of, yeah, like their little game. And you saw her seduction there which was really good. And he's basically a a pretty good guy. He's trying his best to kind of keep up with her. She's just darting all over the place. Like just that opening scene where they're in the home. Yeah. Yeah. She's in that home Depot and she's like picking up, uh, picking up the ax and picking up the saw. And like, she's like (laughs) sawing, she's sawing her midsection, just like saying, you think this would go through and like (laughs) picking up the ax. She goes, how do I look? How do I look with an ax? And it's like, yeah, it it is very playful. Um, A lot of that, those early scenes remind me of, uh, we've, we've referenced it before uh, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah. Yeah. um, Too. Just because they're talking about the kill. They're talking about it all the way through. And, like, Farang seems to be almost overthinking it in that scene when he's talking about, like, I don't want to want to kill any gay guys. I don't want to kill, like, a, I, don't, I don't think it should be a black guy because I don't want to be seen as a racist. Or, <laughs> like, all of these things. Um, and it's a, it's a human factor. And it's, it's interesting the way things get real. I think the, the scene where things get real is the cat scene, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, that that oof. it was yeah. really tough for me just being a, a being a cat owner, and uh, you know, I it's it's just really hard. Even though it's obvious that it, it's not no cat was harmed in this in the making of this movie. It was all done as part of like the story. I mean, obviously, cats take a lot longer than that to drown. Like, yeah, you have yeah. to really. They usually, yeah, and they usually don't gurgle gurgle like that. That was not realistic. But, Yes. No, but uh, I, but yeah, that is a, a really tough scene because he thinks she's just going to let it go. He's like, all right, enough. This is it. We're not we're joke. We're just joking around. Let's just let the cat go. And she's like, no, you got to you got to do this. You, you, we can't do this. 
if we can't kill a cat, we can't kill a human being. And I also love the part where they go and they visit her mom and they yeah. s- they suggest some things there that they don't really show. It's just all it's all what they don't say there. Mm-hmm. Um, th- she says like something about, oh, there was like an incident or, uh, as a kid. And then they just kind of look at each other and they kind of nod at each other. And that's it. And, and Farang is kind of like out of that conversation. So he doesn't really know what's going on. But then we get a little snippet of that because we're recording over that footage on the tape, right? Yeah, the old the old home movies they cut yeah. to. Yeah, a yeah. little bit here and there. So all of that buildup, I think, was just really, really good because it makes you wonder what's going to go. Is it going to go the natural way where you think that Jennifer is going to kill kill the guy? Is is Farang going to kind of follow her or do that? Or is it Farang going to – is he going to have like a bloodlust like – awakening and all of a sudden he's going to love killing people and she's going to back out of it you know you don't know it could go a million different ways yeah i i I just thought it was a really strong build up to that um once the death happened what'd you think of the like i i was really kind of grossed out by the gore because it looks so real so good the, yeah. Man, yeah. when they're in the tub and they're sawing through the, I think, was it a thigh or an arm or something? Arm, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, I've never actually seen this in real life, but I'm buying it right now. It's really will, well done. I will say the one thing about the, the effects, I don't know if it's just the, the color on the, you know, like the video quality or whatever, but it seemed like the, the fake blood was really kind of orangey and kind of watery. Yeah. Um, that was the only thing that I was like that was helping me not be really grossed out by it because it's like, oh, that, that blood doesn't look like real blood. But like, yeah, the prosthetics they used and everything were really good. Yeah. The sound yeah. too. The yeah. sound with the bone and everything. I was like, oh, like so it – it, his, I mean, his reactions to it too because he's yeah. doing the whole commentary. He's holding the camera and she's like, can you do this? He's like, no, I'm just holding the camera. I can't do this. Is that how it was or yeah. – no, he had to do it first, right? Yeah, and she wouldn't do it. Yeah, she yeah. wouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, and then he starts yelling at her. And then yeah, he... just just the aftermath, and especially Farang's reaction, and what happens after the murder, all the way through the end of the movie. I think it was just it was really good and really strong. His yeah. performance, I think, was really good because he's kind of trapped now, you know, with this insane person that obviously he didn't think would ever go this far. Yeah, but then he's you know he's in deep with it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, felt bad about Gary. Gary was seemed like a really <laughs> nice guy. He seemed like a real sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought mean, for just... sure that it was going to be rich guy. The yeah. guy the guy who by the way, she claims like 19 times called her a cunt and he never called her a cunt. No. He called no, her a no, bitch he called or her something. A bitch. But she changed it to yeah. cunt. Yeah, yes. I mean she's yes. she's manipulating him still like mm. she like the whole way. I don't know. I I understand it it all moves along really logically. It's like She's like, okay, well, that guy ran into me, and so he just deserves to die because he's an asshole. And then she just builds up the story from there. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know. It, it just felt like it was it was nice the way Farang kind of talked her out of that. I think um, because they were like stalking him, and they, it was it was making it personal mm-hmm. rather than just some random act. Where if it was personal, then you could track it down. So. It's really interesting because, like, because these are two people, you really get to see the thought processes that go through, like, a killer's head and, like, the doubts and the the precautions and, like, just going into a murder. And it reminds me of a little bit of, like, I don't know. Did you guys have to read uh, Crime and Punishment? No. It's a super fucking long novel. 
it's all about somebody planning a murder and then eventually going through with it and everything. But it's about that. And you can do that in a novel because you can get inside someone's head in a story. You don't get to see that kind of those kind of doubts that you have in your head. So in here, it's nice because there are two killers and they're able to kind of converse with each other and, and get these doubts out in like an art action kind of like argumentative form, which they do all the way through the first part of this and afterwards. What'd you guys think of like the initial meeting of Gary and, and all of that stuff? Did you think he was going to die? Do you mean the, the, the homeless guy? Yeah. 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 I, at first my impression was, okay, so you're at first you're thinking they're they're going to do this. They're going to have him. And then the incident with the dude, the business guy, whatever his name was, bumps into her i was like okay so it's gonna be this guy because she's gonna obsess about him and i definitely did think that that's the way they were gonna go and she was gonna argue that this is the guy trust me and just you know really just dig it into um you know her husband's skull about it until he just gave in said fine but then they go with the homeless guy and that was i was actually a little surprised about that but i think the only problem I had with it, well, two little problems, and this is going to sound messed up, but you got to understand they're trying to do what it seems to me like uh, the perfect crime mm-hmm. is kind of what they were trying to do. So my, the thing I thought that was problematic was that I'm like, okay, I get it. Homeless guy, you know, going to be less uh, traceable, but this guy, I mean, he's pretty fucking big. You know, and I'm like, um, did you yeah. you just look for a skinnier one? Like, yeah. this, this is kind of weird. Like, I I uh. thought that was a little weird, and I also thought it was really like, in, in in parts during the dinner scene that like, I thought his acting was a little out of place. Like, he, at the way he was talking, he was he was talking way too much. I get that he was supposed to be nervous, but it was the way he was talking was like it just if. It was a little weird. Like well, it, I don't it, know if he was supposed to have some kind of mental issues, but that's what it seemed like during the dinner scene. Because mm. like everything up to there, he seemed like just you know a homeless guy who might have just been you know down this luck. But then during yeah. the dinner, when he's talking about everything, it's just it kind of feels like okay, this guy might have actual like mental problems. Yeah, I got right. that after a while too. He started like being he'd jump around a little bit. All of a sudden, he'd be talking about one of his friends and. Yeah, yeah, the conversation was definitely a little awkward at times. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, well, it didn't help that Farang knew what was going on. He's sitting there at the table and he's like looking at her while she's filming this, and he's like, "No, no." Yeah. And it just, yeah. just the fact that she's like, she's surprising him with this. It's like yeah. she's not including. She's realizing that he's having like kind of cold feet after the cat, and she is like, uh, she knows that she can probably manipulate him into helping her. But it's just that he needs a push. And so that's – she was taking the initiative to do that. Did she have him shower? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She it's had worked. him up there and shower and shave and change. Yeah, which is – I mean I guess that helps. So like when you're cutting people up, you're not – he's not dirty too. He's a <laughs> clean person. Cutting up a clean person. But it's also – I mean that makes it even more fucked up because she's acting so nice to him. you know, And that's the thing. It's yeah. like – you know, he, uh, Farang didn't want her to go after the the rich douchebag because it would make it personal. But it made it even more personal by having this guy that you know she became kind of friends with, and this guy thought that they were friends. You know, and yeah. that just makes it super fucked up. 
that he's mm-hmm. the one they kill. Yeah, and then they do it, and then they have that bathroom scene where they chop him up and everything. Um, after that, when she starts filming everything, that's where it started to feel a little off. But I think by then she was already lost. Yeah. Just the fact that like they were, she was like, I'm sorry. And she sets up the camera in the bedroom. Yeah. And Mm. it's like, I think initially he was the one that was joking around about filming them having sex. And then like, yeah. Yeah. And like, by the end they had the scene where they're having sex by the, in the tub. But then later on, she's the one that's initiating the filming and he's saying no. So that's kind of interesting. That goes like, all the way around to that, like by the end of the movie um, with him, like wanting her to put the camera down and her getting like addicted to looking at it through there, through the lens. Mm. Good, good point. Yeah. That's I uh, didn't think about that. I mean, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that were occurring, basically how she was becoming more and more obsessive. Like in the beginning, he was like you guys were saying, like, you know, he was on board because he loves her and he was like, yeah, and then we could do this. And he was like practicing with the meat in the tub and all this mm-hmm. stuff and, and whatever. And then it's like, you know, from the middle to the end, like she is so obsessed and he's like, no, I don't want to I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I think one of the aspects I actually wound up liking the most about this movie was basically because it's it's a tricky one. It's just these two mostly so they have it has to work you know it has to work in terms of like chemistry and all this other stuff but more so when the shit hits the fan and when the shit hits the fan the level of argument and expressions and everything like because you know there's a lot of just like the camera on you know on his face or her face and there was a lot of moments i felt like wow that was like pretty like that was pretty real like, yeah. you know, it felt like you were just somehow in the car or apartment with them and where they're having this argument because it was, it was pretty, it was pretty damn good. I mean, they, yeah. there's a couple of moments in there. I actually felt uncomfortable because of the way that they were arguing. Like it was, it was grounded in that sense. I don't know mm-hmm. if that was improv stuff or scripted, but that was impressive. Oh, Some sorry. of the stuff that I thought was, was really effective was immediately after the the murder and the disposal when Farang is just he's basically like shut off there's those scenes where he's mm. just kind of sitting there like watching television or whatever and you can tell like he's just trying to not think about what they just did and trying to just get past that and then she's you know in his face with the camera and like getting all in him and he you know and he gets all freaked out because like he thought it's done and it's obviously isn't yeah well i think there's this one scene she gets really kind of like scolding it it might be when they were in bed there and it's like he's he's still joking around a little bit about the whole thing and it shows that she's a little bit more serious and then she almost gets to the point where she's like shaming him and uh and making him feel inferior to right to her, her and it, it just shows a lot about that uh, relationship between the two and how everyone's been in in relationships where there's there's a dominating person in the in the relationship and then there's a passive person in the relationship no matter what role you sort of play and uh, it's just it's just interesting the way he tries to get that kind of upper hand um, occasionally and get his way and he kind of does that during the bathtub scene where he has her 
He says, no, you take the camera. I can't do this. You take the camera and you do this. And then she ends up saying, OK, I'll do it. And then she she ends up finishing the job for him. But still, at the same time, she uh, it takes him going through all of that in order for her to kind of give in, you know. But even then, she's like kind of manipulating him later on. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's Men's that's rights true. activists would have a field day with this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, women, yeah. women just boss you around and you don't want to kill homeless people, but, you know <laughs> – they're just there to make you try and kill homeless people. Well, yep, yep. there's there's the there's also the fact that like how how the husband like how he reacts when you know like you were saying when he was sitting there just you know zoning out to like TV or whatever like kind of like trying everything he can to sort of erase as much as he can from his 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 brain of what just happened, and then every time he sees her with the camera and how he reacts. It's like an instant flashback. It's like it's mm-hmm. like you're, you're getting that from the way he's reacting, which I thought was extremely impressive. I was like, "Fuck, that's that another moment that was very real." It wasn't just stop filming because that's annoying. It was like get you know get rid of that fucking camera, stop it, like you know, because mm-hmm. instantly thinking about what they did, you know, yeah. and not anything else, you know. So it's like that camera was now a symbol, you know, to mm-hmm. remind of this horrendous crime that they did. And it, that's some good stuff, man. And I was so. actually wondering if there was going to be some sort of struggle to get the camera away from her and he would accidentally kill her. I thought and that too, yeah. Well, and that's then... Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, what did you guys think of the ending? I mean... I love that. I, yeah, I that thought was... That... That was that was what it needed to be, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys agree with that, right? Is yeah, it needed to go that way because it needed to get. I mean, I'm talking about not just what all the things that occur, but I'm talking about the intensity factor because it yeah. really was amped the fuck up, and I was like, oh god. Well, that's you know? kind of what the, the movie really succeeds at. It, I think is starting off with this almost horror comedy aspect to the film, and as it goes forward, it really amps up the the drama and the tension to a breaking point. And I think that really works throughout the whole film. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and she became a monster that needed to be sort of defeated by the end of the, by the end of the movie. You you know what I mean? I mean, it built up where she had this just kind of notion in this, like all she had this long desire. She finally got this guy that she could, I mean, I could see her trying this with other boyfriends and like them going like, Oh, whatever you're crazy. Or, you, you know what I mean? Like, she, yeah. it seems like she's probably this probably isn't her first boyfriend. And it's probably not the first time she's like tried to kind of bring this up. But somehow she's found Farang, who is he's passive enough to kind of put up with her more weird side. And it, it just spirals out of control and 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 out of control. And then finally we get this rich guy and his mistress and the mistress bound in chains at the end of the movie. And, um, you know, it's just going to be fucked up all the way so yeah that was fucked up too it's like they're chained back to back to each other and the guy is like listens to the girl basically dying is that is that the order it goes yeah 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 because yeah, she gives she gives him the uh the choice to kill the mistress or mm-hmm. else she'll like tell her his family or tell his wife or whatever and he does yeah. it yeah. like without without hesitation yeah, I mean, and that's and that just confirms to her that how much he deserves to die, how much yeah. of an asshole he is. But uh, I love the way it ended. I love the way it's like Farang's like just complete breakdown. Like you hear the sirens, 
and people banging at the door upstairs and and you know it's just like it's all over basically mm-hmm. you don't you don't need someone explaining what's going on after the fact um mm-hmm. you know you know what's going to happen so it's kind of cool yeah man do you think this would have worked uh without the found footage like aspect to it uh, no i no. think in this case the, the her her obsessing over making her life into a movie and doing that like it wouldn't have worked if you had a uh, more of a traditional cinematic approach because this way you really get into her head which is mm-hmm. the important thing yeah i like the aspect of it that it seemed like she wanted to just watch and rewatch this thing over and over and over again and like as a just as a trophy basically that she could revisit and look at and kind of pine over um the whole time um, yeah and how like that can become addicting and it's like you want more and more and more it's like a drug almost for her yeah yeah that that scene you know the dismemberment scene mm-hmm. was even right before all well no sorry it was before in in the middle of all the gore her face lit up like a little girl, like super excited to get this brand new toy. Mm-hmm. Then in the middle of it, the way she's um, she's referring to Gary, and then he gets really upset with her, and he's like, "Stop calling him that!" Like yeah. you know, it's really interesting because it was like, you know, she's locked in this in this world now of, of yeah. absolute crazy, and this is all very normal to her, but to him, it's like you know, what the fuck, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. there's, well, there's thing- also that scene after when she's just alone filming herself, like mm. reenacting the dinner. Yeah. She's like, you know, saying what Gary said, but doing it like a goofy voice. And I mean, that's some fucked up. Like, I yeah. hated that shit. scene actually. I'm, I, really? I had really it, forgotten about it until you just mentioned it. And I was well, like, it is, it does come eyes. off a little forced in, yeah. in a way, but at the same time, it does reinforce the fact that she's just like totally, um, you know, just totally wrapped up in her own shit, you know, and she's mm-hmm. just doesn't, you know, doesn't care for the fact that, you know, that guy was an actual person that she murdered. She just thought it was amusing that he said that thing for yeah. her. Yeah, I was I was less attracted to her in that scene than in <laughs> most other scenes of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, she, uh, yeah, that, I mean, it definitely puts her in a bad light. And I think it makes you feel uncomfortable because you're, I, I think that's, that's what found footage can be so successful at. It's just putting you in the shoes of, I mean, good found footage can put you in the shoes of, of that person. Um, and the fact that you're in her shoes most of the time, she's usually holding, holding the camera, it seems. It's kind of uncomfortable. It puts you in that uncomfortable place that you're the, you're the killer. It's like the first scene in Halloween almost, mm. you know, but that's good. It, it, it takes you to those like uncomfortable places like that, which is, which is scary. Yeah. There, I mean, that's, I th- think that's why i actually don't mind that scene so much um just because like there was a bit at the very end where she just kind of lays her head down and she's staring at the camera with one eye and it's just kind of like that moment i don't know i thought that that moment sort of made it a little bit more sinister it's almost like saying well this is really who she is the whole time and and maybe he didn't see that because you know and and maybe there like you said earlier on like there was hints you know with backstory there with like her mother bringing up incident you know who knows maybe she killed an animal or something and filmed it you know like maybe it was something because she had no problem 
doing that with the cat. She was so comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, even even when that when the the owner of the cat came to the door. Oh yeah. Like she just had like it was it was crazy because you you know you hear you don't see anything but you hear the conversation, and she's just so, like oh yeah yeah no problem you know like you know just totally, there was no moment of of her trying to like figure out what to say or whatever. It was like, so she's really comfortable with this. It seems to me like she's probably done this sort of thing before, mm, you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> that's why she was so like sort of bloodthirsty um, and disconnected from taking a life. So like easily, you know, it, it also, there is something else that now that we're talking about it, that also maybe makes sense is that there is a little bit of that, like, the sexual hang-up type thing earlier on and and you know yes you know they film themselves having sex in the bathroom but that was only until all that talk of like the blood being spilt into the tub and we could do this and we could do that that's what was getting her off yeah, yeah. it's not the act of sex like that wasn't that wasn't making her um uh, yeah, at all. And yeah. until that, that was being brought up. So once that was being brought up, that's when she was into it. And that's what kind of made me think like, wow, this is like she possibly, you know, it was probably some sort of crazy abuse that happened maybe when she was a kid. And then, you know, that stuff with the cat and then leading up into this madness of all that happens in the middle of the film. So well, I, I don't know if she's. I don't think she's killed before just because of how giddy she is going into it. Um, it, it seems like she's, she's like a kid before Christmas or a kid that's driving yeah. to the can to the candy store or the toy store. Just mm. like, can't wait to do it. Um, and she's just so impatient. She wants to hurry. She wants to do, she was like, let's just get him right now. Let's just get the, the rich guy. And he's like, no, 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 that makes it personal. It, you know, she, she really just wants to dive into the whole thing, which is just really, um, it can be really it, it it makes it really twisted um but at the same time i'm sure that she's had the notions i think uh I, it seems like some devious shit happened when she goes to see her mom and they they try to kind of cover it up a little bit when the, with the conversation but still at the same time uh they don't give it any specifics or anything so that's the, right. I, I like i like that aspect of it there's still a mystery there about right. like what it is that's that's going on yeah i didn't um, think that she had done it previously either I, I think she was just really excited to get going on it yeah yeah i just have a, like christian you were talking about oh it's found footage uh, do you like usually hate found footage movies or well i didn't always used to i mean i um i would say going all the way back to blair witch when i first started in the theaters it kind of blew my mind a bit because it was like it was something very new and I was like, holy shit. You know, it was just a very different thing, especially seeing that kind of thing in the theater. When I rewatched it, like, you know, some months later on video, it didn't have the same effect. And I was just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, and I didn't think it was going to be a thing, you know, yeah. down the line. My favorite found footage of flicks would probably be Rec 1, 2, yeah. And uh, I really enjoy Grave Encounters. I think that movie is it's a small <laughs> movie, but it's a, a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, that's it's a, a fun movie. The sequel is good too. Yeah, well, the, like sequel, the sequel. The sequel like... up to up to certain parts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, the one little... guy doing his like crazy man acting yeah. at the end. I, I, yeah. 
But I, I thought that... I, I like the idea of that. The execution of it just didn't kind of yeah, come I, out. He's not a very good actor, but still, no, I like that. No, he's he he. Yeah, I think that the, the first one was was really just it was a small movie, and it was it was fun. It was funny. It it was it was definitely creepy as shit. Like when it was yeah. you know uh, creepy, it, like it definitely amped it up, and it was just a nice little package. So there's. A, I started getting picky about it because there's so many, so many. And uh, Lovely Molly, even though it's not completely mm-hmm. a found footage movie, I, I really like that one too. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like – I feel like my point is with found footage is that it became a gimmick after a while. And then it also yeah. became just a really – let's be honest, a really easy way to just get a fucking mediocre script mm-hmm. filmed. Mm-hmm. And it was just – shitty you know like oh so now we just get all these shitty fucking movies yeah you know done in found footage well it seems like a lot of times the found footage is not essential to the movie it's just like well we can do it on the cheap because we can do it with the found footage style and that way we don't have to worry about a lot of effects we don't have to worry about you know a lot of cameras or lighting and stuff and then you know you get the shit where it's like i i noticed on your reviews mark you started like having the, the found footage checklist like what does it have does it have the confessional up the nose does yeah, it have the dragging the... away from the camera mm-hmm. like uh, so many found footage movies now have that kind of checklist of like those clichés i think the capture kill release works because it depends on being you know a homemade movie that's the whole crux of it you know unlike a lot of other movies where it's like well we could have done this you know, more traditionally and not had it been like on, you know, somebody's shitty video footage and it would have worked just as well, if not better. But, you know, this, this movie in particular needs to be in this format. Like, I don't think it would work if he did it any other way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a couple of found footage movies that I really enjoyed. Lake Mungo. Mm, Ooh, I love Creep. that movie. That's more documentary style though. Yeah, yeah. that is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I would say yeah. Creep was a good one. Creep was good. Creep. Yeah, I love I Creep. Like Troll Hunter. Yeah, Troll yeah. Hunter was great. Not that. not as much a horror movie, but really uh, yeah, more movie. of a fantasy movie. But still, yeah. I, I I think that's a hilarious movie. Though uh, Last Exorcism, I thought was great. Yeah, I like uh, that until the end. I even yeah. I even really liked the Paranormal Activity movies. Oh, and fucking Cloverfield. Oh, Cloverfield. Yeah, that was fun. Cloverfield. Was yeah, good. that's an awesome one. Actually, yeah. Paranormal Activity three, I really like a lot. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. because they took such a different direction yeah. and made yeah. it by and made it like old school it was 80s so it had yeah. more going for it It was like less technology it was stripped down mm-hmm. and it relied sorely on the build-up and the payoff mm-hmm. and then the ultimate payoff which was at the very end which i was like okay that was pretty fucking cool but yeah. then you got stuff like the vhs movies and those are a little tough because it's like there's like maybe one or two of those short stories i really liked mm-hmm. and then the rest not so much and well, i don't know some of my like pet peeves about the whole thing. I mean, not only the the two that you mentioned, uh, Stephen, about like there's always that stupid Blair Witch confessional sort of thing that's just annoying, and then there and then the, the drag away, which which happens in almost every like other found footage movie you see. It's and that's annoying just because it's not that it's not effective. It's just that it's been used so many fucking times, and you mm-hmm. see it in every one of them. Mm-hmm. But also, I it it annoys the hell out of me when. All of a sudden, you're watching a found footage movie, and you hear musical, like there's music, or there's like, 
like something happens and they do that jump scare like bang on the piano and it's like there's no way anybody could be there to provide that jump scare bang you know but they put it in there just because they need a burst of sound to manipulate that and also like when it switches between cameras and it's like all right who's editing this together you know (laughs) who's who's like this is supposed to be happening in the moment but you're jumping between two or three different cameras um and that's what took me out of exists a little bit i don't know if you guys saw that it's the bigfoot movie where done by the guy that did uh blair witch yeah, yeah. I saw um, that. I, I it, thought it was okay, but it, it was also, okay. It repeated a lot of the stuff that they did in, in Blair Witch towards the end, which really was like, what? Yeah, it did. But I, I, I do feel that like if it's simple, if it's just like one or two cameras, it makes it a much more strong, a stronger kind of thing. I, I unless, agree with that. Unless yeah. you're going for the documentary style, then yeah. it's like fine. Add the music, add the edits, like do that sort of thing. And I think that's what works really well with Lake Mungo. There was another movie called The Sacrament. I haven't seen that. Is it the Sacrament. That's how oh, I thought we reviewed it on this show. Uh-oh. Oh yeah, The Sacrament. Yeah, that with was the, the one where. The cult, yeah. yeah it was the cult Ty, on the Ty island. West. Ty West. And yeah, it's man, there. it was great. Joe Swanberg and A.J. Bowen. Yeah, that was really good. But then there was another one called... Oh, God, I forget its name. <laughs> oh, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> that one, you got to scream it every time. There was, uh, there was one, I don't know if this is one you're thinking of, but there's one I think it was called The Taking of Deborah Logan. Taking of Deborah Logan, yes. Where it's that like one was they, pretty decent. They, they start out filming a documentary about a woman who has Alzheimer's and then they realize that she doesn't have Alzheimer's. She's possessed by a demon. And yeah. it, that movie is freaky as fuck and it's really, really good. Um, the other one I can't remember, but I, I'll, I'll try to remember it some other time. But, oh, uh, it was The Visit, right? No, uh, The Visit. <laughs> yeah. I never saw that one. Uh, I, yeah, and I yeah. admit that, that movie existed is that I couldn't take very seriously because for some reason the anything Bigfoot makes me laugh. I don't know why. Oh, oh, the I, visit? No, the visit wasn't no, big. No, no, no. I'm talking about <clears throat> existed. Oh, oh exists. Yeah, I, yeah. Any, any, any time something's like Bigfoot themed, I just start laughing. I don't know why. Too many Slim Jim commercials. That and uh, maybe uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Like I don't know. Like that's all I picture, and it just makes it makes me laugh because it's like yeah. I can't really picture this creepy looking or, or scary looking beast. It's more mm-hmm. just like ridiculous. Like yeah. I just never take them serious, so I I can't help. <laughs> Oh, there was one that I did want to talk about, though, on this episode. Uh, Capture, Kill, Release. Um, uh, <laughs> anything else to say about that movie? See it. Definitely go. Definitely yeah, def- see it. Definitely yes. worth a watch. Yeah. So, we uh, last episode, Word to Your Mothra wrote in and thought it would be good since, you know, we do the main review each podcast and then maybe a second review or a quick, p- a quick uh, pick from the week. Have you guys been enjoying anything horror-related this week? I just got back from Japan, so... Was there anything horror-related in Japan? Uh, the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did that get through the last one? No, no it didn't. So uh, what happened was, uh, just a little bit of background here, is that in Japan, uh, the subway systems and all that are really, really elaborate. Like, everything is really pristine, and there's tons of amazing, like, I don't know, There's vending machines are incredible. There's all kinds of incredible stuff everywhere. And the bathrooms, especially the toilets, are heated. I mean, it's amazing shit, right? But you take amazing shit. You take an amazing shit. (laughs) But I managed to find the one just unspeakable (laughs) bathroom. (laughs) 
of all of Tokyo. And I walked in there, you know, I had to take a, a leak and, uh, and I walk in there and right away, it's like the light is flickering. It smells like a dead body or two in there. But there's a guy in the corner on the floor, which I don't know why that happened. And then there's like everyone that's taking a piss just won't pull up their pants and they're junk and everything. And these are like old men. Like, and I was, and it was, I felt like I was in Jacob's ladder. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, like, why? Why is this happening right now? So that was my little horror movie. Didn't see anything horror related. Yeah, until I got back to watch well, this. I did. Last night we watched Train to Busan, mm. which is an excellent zombie on a train movie. Huh. Uh, highly it's recommended. A it's a sequel to an anime that the the director directed. Oh, that's uh, right. I remember. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's about the initial outbreak. Holy shit. Um, what's I, the original? It's, a, it's an anime. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Wow, how cool is that? I had no idea. So it's yeah. uh, South Korean, and the passengers struggle to survive on uh, a train to Seoul, uh, or from Seoul to Busan. Yeah, I think the original one is Seoul Plane. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, no, there really is. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's it's a sequel to <laughs> Soul Plane. I just threw the I just threw the entire um the entire podcast on, off off the rails. <laughs> Soul Station. Soul Station. S e s e o u l Station, and it's animated. And Train to Busan was the first non-animated movie that 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 guy has made well it's fucking awesome it is it really is really really good christian didn't see anything mark i think we at the last podcast we talked about uh mayhem which i saw preview to and that that was really good and i think that that's going to be a big hit coming out soon it's from the guy that did everly joe lynch and um it's it's just really good other movie that i just uh or oh black coat's daughter and I don't know if you guys have seen I Am the Pretty Thing in the House. Oh, no, I want Netflix. to. Not yet. It's, it's a movie that really requires a lot of patience, but I like the overall sense of like dread and mood that it has. And if you like I Am the Pretty Thing in the House, the same director did The Black Coat's Daughter, which comes out next week. And uh, it's directed by Anthony Perkins' son, Osgood Perkins. And he's the one that did I Am the Pretty Thing in the House, too. So he was, um, he was also in Legally Blonde, if you guys he's an, he used to be an actor, but now he's directing and he's directed these two horror movies. And um, they're both really I, I think they show a lot of promise. This guy's got a really good eye for for just scary, moody, scary, creepy things. Um, and so I would re- recommend both. I am the pretty thing in the house and the Black Coast Daughter for people who like like patient horror. That's just kind of it, it's slow. It's a very slow burn, but it's it's still fun. I actually just remembered it's even though it's not a horror movie. I watched on Netflix uh, this movie with Elijah Wood co-stars mm. in it. Something like I Don't Want to Be on This Planet Anymore or something yeah. like that. I, I don't think that's the title, so I apologize. But it's not a horror movie, really. But there is some pretty nasty gore bits in the movie. But um, it's a weird dark comedy, I guess. And I don't know. I, Man, he is he has done some dark shit. It's a, Lord yeah. of the Rings, Elijah it, Wood. 
and that's good because I, I like the fact that he does these fucked up movies and whatever. But and he was great. It, he was funny and 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 quirky and weird. Um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with the acting. Uh, Jane Levy is also in it. Uh, there's some notables in it, but I felt like the ending really pissed me off. Like, cause it just, it was such a, in my opinion, cop out ending. So I don't know. Can't really recommend that one. And it's not is really it, horror. Is it Peaky Blinders? <laughs> no, no. I don't I feel just, at home in this world anymore is the name of it. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. I, I just felt, I personally felt like the ending of that movie really just ruined everything. Like I felt like everything. It did. It, it was preachy. Jaws. It was preachy. Ruined Jaws too. Ruined everything. It ruined. Yeah, it ruined <laughs> Jaws three. Jaws four ruined itself, and then so on and so forth. <laughs> so. Am I wrong? Am I wrong that I think that every Netflix series is connected? So it's, hmm? it's all part of the same. Marvel no. They're all Marvel characters. No. <laughs> Including the Full House revamp. <laughs> Including that, yes. And Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I just, I love that name. I've never watched an episode of it, but Peaky Blinders. It just seems like, I I don't know. I don't, a, I know nothing it, about isn't it. Isn't it Peaky Blinders? It's, yes, Peaky Blinders. And it's a great, <laughs> great, great show. Like, I watched all, all three seasons. Of, really? I, yeah, I watched Adrian all Brody, three. Brody, Killian Murphy? Yeah, Wait, is yes. it like what's it uh, what's it about? Well, let's talk about that after the episode. Um, <laughs> okay. Steven, what have you been watching that's horror related? Well, I've watched a couple movies that I don't want to talk about now because I think we're going to talk about them on future podcasts. Um, but if it's comic related, but also kind of has a horror bent. If any of you guys have been watching Legion, on oh. Netflix, I've really been enjoying that because it's not too like comic booky as we think of comic books from like the typical Marvel movies that are out now, but it's definitely got a, like a nice horror element throughout. Yeah, a lot of Cronenberg um, in there. A lot of uh, David, David Lynch Cronenberg. in there. David, yeah, Lynch, David Lynch, Cronenberg, like there's there's a little bit of like weird Tim Burton-ness happening and it's just mm-hmm. a lot of really cool visuals, really great music and uh, <laughs> definitely see it if you haven't. Awesome. I love the music. The music of that show is really good. Just all the different choices that they had. I, I didn't see this episode the, this week's, but last My week's. Been, what's Aubrey her name? Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza. When she does that dance. Oh yeah. It's this, like, oh, this it's last sad. week they do a sequence that shown like a silent movie. Yeah. Oh, At the background is Ravel's Bolero, and it's in black and white, and there are interstitial dialogue and title cards, huh. oh. and. If I had seen it in like any other show, I'd be like, "What pretentious fucking!" Yeah. <laughs> but like somehow it all works, and it's yeah. it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's because it's... everybody's insane on that movie or in that show. Like nobody yeah. is no. Yeah, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. I have to check yeah. it out. I've only seen like half of the first episode. I love mm-hmm. that show so yeah, much. Yeah, I'm like binge so it. bored. Binge all it. right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You can email us at info at cultpopgo.com. And uh, what are we reviewing next time, guys? Do we know? The Void. The Void. All right. Yeah. So join us next time for The Void. Uh, and until then, uh, I don't know. Kill yourself. We love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to come back next time? They From beyond the grave. <laughs> Zombies. Dark. Real dark right there. He's like, oh, fuck <laughs> Kill yourselves, you filthy animals. <laughs> Until next time.
smoke drugs, have premarital sex, and hey, why not go check out that strange noise in the basement? What's the worst that can happen?